One Hope Church. All right, good morning. Good to see you this morning. Yeah, hard and hard to let you know that you love the Lord and that you're alive today. All right. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So we are going to continue our study through the book of John. Um, we're in John chapter 8, verse 31. Uh, last week we took a week off from our study of John as we focused in um, on the resurrection of Jesus from 1 Corinthians 15. But today we want to continue in our study uh, the Gospel of John and looking at the teaching of Jesus. And so let me just set the scene um, for a second and then we'll, we'll pray and get into the scripture here. So in John chapter 7, into chapter 7, we see um, Jesus' brothers and his family members going um, to Jerusalem for the feast. Um, it, was a, it was a time for um, a celebration. Um, it was for the festival of, of tents. Basically, they would uh, remember that they had been, as a people, slaves in Egypt, and God had rescued them and brought them into the promised land. And they would live in tents during that week to remind themselves of where they had come from and the time that, as a people, they had spent um, in the desert living in tents and how God had brought them um, into the promised land. And so Jesus it does go to this feast later on after them. He does so kind of discreetly. And then he takes his time and opportunity um, to teach in chapter 7. And then in chapter 8, it's a new scene, and it's the woman who had been caught in adultery as Jesus is teaching near the treasury um, in the court of the women. Jesus is teaching there, and they bring to him this woman who was caught in adultery, and then Jesus you know, gives instruction there of he who has um, you know, not, not sinned to cast the... You know, basically, who's innocent to cast the first stone, and from oldest to youngest, the accusers leave. And then Jesus tells this woman, you know, to go and sin no more. The implications being there that when you come to follow Jesus, He's going to change, um, you know, your life, and that you're going to, you know, stop doing these destructive um, habits and these destructive things um, in your life that hurt yourself and, and hurt other people. And so um, he continues his teaching of, you know, that people need to believe in him. And so we're going to pick up in verse 31. So let's read verses 31 and 32. It says, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? So let's pray and then we'll examine this and the rest of the chapter. So Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your love and for your word. We thank you for the power of your truth in our lives. Please continue to teach us by your word and instruct us by it and help us to follow you and serve you in all things. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, there were some who, who were believing in him, um, at, at least to a certain t- degree, and he says, if you continue my word, then you are truly um, my disciples, disciples of mine, or my disciples indeed. And so what he is saying there 
is that you know that their life is going to be an evidence of whether their faith was real um, or not. If they have true faith, they're going to continue in his teachings. If it's not a true faith, then they're going to shrink back when uh, you know obstacle comes, or they hear something they don't like, or they prefer to Jesus to teach something else. Um, then they're going to move away. But if it's genuine, if it's real, they're going to continue in his in his word, and we should always want to and be striving to continue in the word of, of Jesus because he says you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Now, there's something I want to talk about there that I think is really important because when a person comes to believe in Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me, you know, I'm a sinner, save me. You know, Jesus makes that person a new creation. There's a, there's a, a change by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the work of God in the person's life that that person is fundamentally different. However... We still carry with us a background. We still carry with us our old flesh that we still have to deal with. We still come from a particular culture, and within that larger culture of you know the world, and then the culture of your your country, the culture of your ethnicity, the culture of the family that you grew up in, you can still have misinformed ideas about right and wrong and how God wants you to live and and God's perspective on things. But if you continue in the Word, you're going to get more and more of the teaching of Jesus that's more and more truth that's going to be revealed, that's more and more opportunity to see things God's way and then to change one's mind, one's attitude, one's behavior, one's actions to conform to the way of Jesus instead of living according to the ways that you grew up with. We gotta we gotta praise the Lord on that one. We praise the Lord on that one. We got amen and praise the Lord on that. Because God's gonna gonna change us um, radically at the beginning and then step by step throughout our lives. God is going to change us step by step. And so we need to continuously be open to the truth of God in our lives. And that's why we need to be in the scripture so that we have the truth in our, of God in our lives on a daily basis so that it can continue to form and to change us and to form us. And what is the goal? The goal is to make us more and more in the image of Jesus. See, every day we are being conformed. We are being made and molded into an image. And that image is either more like the world or more like Jesus. You're being, you are being formed either more like the world or more like Jesus day by day. Now, if you want to be more formed like Jesus, we have to be in the Word and praying and asking God to reveal truth and to change us. If you want to be more like the world, then all you have to do is ignore the word. You know, your flesh will default towards more of the world. All you have to do is is not study the Bible, not pray, not participate in the meetings of the church, not worship with with uh, you know music that honors the Lord. If you just ignore those things by default, you'll become more worldly. That's the easy path. The difficult thing is to be intentional and then to therefore grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus. Now, here's something that's really interesting. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, the truth will make you free. 
says, they answered him and said, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? You see, here's something. When people are blinded spiritually, they're also often blinded in other ways. And here, these Jewish people are also blinded politically. And, and what do I mean by that? Well, what festival are they at? They're at the festival to remember that they had been slaves as a people. They had been slaves in Egypt, and God had brought them out. In then, do we need to go back? We need to go back in history between when Jesus is here teaching them and back to the days of Moses. And in between, you also have what the the you know Babylonian captivity. The diaspora, the Jewish people being spread throughout, you know, the world. Why? Because of captivity. Because of being put into bondage, into slavery. So that's from their beginning. You know, we can call it the middle. We're not, you know, going specific on dates here. You know, but slavery at the beginning. You know, really before the beginning. But certainly as Abraham's descendants, slavery. And then Babylonian captivity. And now, they're under the control of the Roman Empire. Now, these particular Jewish people have a degree of autonomy, and particularly the religious leaders. They got to have their own religious course, and their own religious ways, and and maintain a certain amount of their cultural system. But that was because the Romans let them have it. Now, the Romans let them have it ultimately because God wanted them to have it. Don't misunderstand. But you see that they were still under a situation where at any point the Romans could come in and lay the smack down on them. And AD 70, that's going to happen. Romans are going to roll in and destroy, you know, the, the temple and, and, and cause havoc and, and destruction. And so, they're not as free as they, they were. Never as free as they thought they were. And they're certainly, at this time that Jesus writes, not as free as they um, are, are deceived themselves to believe. But a corrupt spiritual mind will also produce a, 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 or a misguided, a, a blind spiritual mind will also... Uh, results in a blind political perspective. It will accomplish that as well. And a blind cultural perspective. See, if a person is spiritually living in falsehood, you can expect that there will be many other areas of life affected by falsehood. But if a person is living in the truth of Jesus, then we should expect a bend toward truth whether that's you know, politically, socially, and in any other way, it will have a bend towards truth, be moving more towards greater and greater truth in God. But now, here's the interesting part, as we've taken a moment there to speak politically, Jesus doesn't address them politically in terms of the, their obvious situation, but in verse 34, it says, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. See, Jesus is much more concerned 
about their spiritual condition than there are their political condition. And please, let me just remind us all of that as, you know, in an election year, our spiritual condition and the spiritual condition of people in the world is much more important than any sort of political condition. You see, because the gospel of Jesus Christ can go forward and change lives in any political condition. And in any political system. It doesn't matter if it's a, a true democracy. It doesn't matter if it's a republic. It doesn't matter if it's some level of dictatorship. The gospel of Jesus Christ can go forward today in the United States and can... You know, Mexico, and Iraq, and Iran, and China, and Korea, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not bound politically. Let us be reminded of that. And yes, we need to pray and make wise decisions. Yeah, I believe we are supposed to participate you know, in whatever cultural system that we're in to the degree that, that, is, that is reasonable and feasible. Um, that doesn't cloud us, you know, from the gospel. And so, I, yes, I think you know we, if, if you're a citizen of the United States, you know, we have a, a responsibility to vote. You know, and that that's a common duty in our, in our elections. But certainly, we should not be people who fret and fear. We should not be people who spread fear to children, as I have witnessed in our in our particular public school of parents putting their political fears into the hearts of, of their children and the other children. Folks, we know who our king is. And when Jesus is your king, what do you have to fear? Worry less about who's in charge politically and pray more to the king who is above all. But to be a slave of sin is far worse than to live under a dictatorship. To live under tyranny. Would you rather live in the United States of America and be in relative freedom but without Jesus? Are to live under a dictatorship and have Jesus. And listen, you know, there's that Sunday school answer, you know, sometimes kids will answer Jesus to just about any question, you know, because that's what they think. Hey, listen, uh, the majority of the time, that is the right answer. That is the right answer. Take take when the, the, the example that I just gave, Jesus is the right answer. It would be better to live in complete and utter bondage and have Jesus than to live in worldly freedom and not have Jesus. Get some amen on that. But listen to this. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. And Jesus is speaking about worldly systems when people had you know, their own children and then they also had slaves to whatever degree, whether you call that a forced you know, servitude or the worst sort of slavery you could think of, the point that Jesus is making here is that you know, a son has, a, has different rights and responsibilities 
than a servant or a slave does. So he's, he's using the world systems to explain this. So he says, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. So again, regardless of your political situation, of your political bondage, if you are free in Jesus, you are free indeed. And he says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with my father, therefore you also do the things which you heard from your father. Now this is strong, because Jesus is has put, he's put the line in the sand. He's done so in the temple. He put the line in the sand in the temple. And he's basically saying, yes, you are physically descendants of Abraham, but you are spiritually descendants of the devil. Where Jesus is contrasting himself with that, that spiritually he is with the Father. Can you imagine being there and seeing Jesus and hearing Jesus say these words to the religious leaders? Again, that's an emphasis through the book is the confrontation between the you know, true faith and religious game that the people, the Pharisees were playing. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. You say you come from Abraham, well, what does that mean? It means you should have faith like Abraham had. You should believe in God, You should, and that should be evident in the work that you do. But as it is, verse 40, but as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God, this Abraham did not do. You are doing the deeds of your father. And they said to him, we were not born of fornication, we have one father, God. And Jesus said to them, if God would were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come with my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason you do not hear them, because you are not of God. Now that is strong, folks. It doesn't get much stronger than that. Um, Or it, it, it just doesn't get stronger than that. So Jesus accuses them... As they're trying to defend themselves, you know, they say, oh, we're of God. You know, they are deceived. They are self-deceived and they are deceiving others. But God also, you know, Jesus knows their hearts. And I think deep down they know as well that their motives are wrong. But there is something interesting. When people lie, what do they try to do? You know, when people lie, they don't say, hey... Um, you know, I'm going to wave a little flag here that tells you, you know, I'm, this is my lying flag, and when I wave it, I'm telling you a lie. You know, that's not what people do. 
with lies come to see, lie tries to present itself as truth. But these people are lying about themselves and their motivation, and Jesus calls them on that because you know, Jesus has done only good. He has taught only things that are for edification. He has healed people. There is no one that can bring a right accusation against him of sin, and yet they don't believe his words. You see, and this is where Jesus stands out as different from every other person and every other prophet. Because any of the prophets you could point to if you knew them personally and say, well, I do know that you sinned, at least in this way or that. You could certainly say that about myself or anyone in any of the vehicles or on Facebook listening to this today. There are people around you who know you, they know certain sins that you have committed, right? They know you well enough. But with Jesus, it didn't matter, matter how well you knew him, you still couldn't accuse him of doing anything wrong. He's the sinless one, the perfect one, and that's what makes him the, the one who is able to be our sacrifice, the sacrifice for us to be our representative like us, as the scripture says, yet without sin. Which one of you commit, convicts me of sin? For Jesus is the only one that you can say, no one can convict you of sin. Verse 48, the Jews answered and said to him, you do, do we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? And, and so then, you know, the accusations get even more, um, you know, interesting. Um, you know, that, that to them it would be a terrible thing to be, you know, a Samaritan, but that's also a way to try to make it so he's not the one, you know, of the line of David and the one fulfilling the promise. So they make that accusation and then have, you know, that you have a demon. And Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. But I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died and the prophets also. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste of death. Surely you are not greater than our father Abraham who died. The prophets died too. Who do you make yourself out to be? So this is a very pointed question. If Jesus is saying that you know you're not going, if, you know that his followers are, are going to have a different experience of, concerning death than everybody else, that you know this brings uh, a big time questions for these religious leaders who are saying, well, you know Abraham died, the prophets died. You know who are you? Who do you say you are? Verse 54, Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. And you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I, that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. Therefore they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. 
again, there are still people today who will try to claim that Jesus, um, they'll try to state that Jesus didn't make any claim to deity. All you have to do is, is just show, you know, John chapter 8. You know, just have to read John chapter 8. The, the claim for, for deity here is very clear. It's very clear. That they're saying, you know, are, basically their question is, are you saying you're greater than the prophets? Are you greater than Abraham? And Jesus is saying, absolutely yes to that question. He does so when he says, um, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And then he, they say, you're not 50 years old. You've seen Abraham. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. That is a clear, clear claim to deity. Jesus is claiming to be, let me use this, this theological term, you know, pre-incarnate, that he existed before he was born physically in the, in the flesh, um, you know, to come and to be our Savior, that he was pre, he was before that, he existed before that, and that is the claim um, of the Gospel of John from John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's the claim, that's that's the, the, the first claim of this, of the, of, of Jesus, is that He is always, you know, that Christ has always been. That the Word of God has always, you know, existed. And then He put on human flesh to come and to be like us. And we also, in the Old Testament, we have um, certain at certain points in times, the you know pre-incarnate Christ takes on form and presents Himself to you know particular prophets and, and people. Um, so we you know we we have to to uh, keep that in mind. Um, as well, just as one you know example, remember uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fiery furnace, and the king says, "How many did we throw in there?" You know, basically, I thought we threw in three, but I see four. Well, who is the four? <laughs> you know, and so we have this in the scripture. Um, Jesus makes this claim to deity because if Jesus is not God, then he is just another man. Who taught and died. But you see, we believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man. He came to be our representative. And yes, he died on the cross, but the grave could not hold him. Every Sunday for us is Resurrection Sunday. Every Sunday is when we come together to remember our Savior and our King and to give thanks. And so if you if you have your communion um, with you this morning. Uh, in your vehicle, or if you're watching uh, through Facebook, you have it in your home, or you'll have it when you leave here and, and you go home. Take the bread and the cup today, and and remember uh, that that we have an amazing and awesome Savior and King. I do just want to encourage you. You know, we're gathered here together. We're gathered um, in cars, and we're gathered on Facebook, but. You know, it is different than being like on the, in, all in the same room together. We're doing the best we can 
under the circumstances that we have, right? God is gracious and He knows that. I've heard people say, well, you shouldn't have communion until the church is gathered back in the same, you know, physical, you know, building again. You just shouldn't do it. Um, and people are concerned that there'll be a lack of reverence, you know, about it. And I think the lack of reverence is a valid concern. You know, when people are talking about, well, I don't have bread, so I'm going to use Captain Crunch, that's a lack of reverence and that bothers me. So we need to avoid the lack of reverence. We need to keep reverence with taking the bread and cup because we are remembering that our Savior suffered for us and He died in our place and He rose again and that He is the King who will return. So we have reverence. So as best you can, use, use what Jesus gave. His orders were you know, to use the bread and to use the fruit of the vine. So as best as close as you are able to use bread and grape juice as, you know, again, God is gracious but as close as you can keep to the order that is given by Jesus, you know, we should do it. And Jesus knows what's going on right now, and we are gathered as best we can be, and still being responsible, you know, with safety for one another, right? And so, uh, so take that, we can take it together as best we can. Um, but then also, if you don't have it with you today, it's still better to take it. Take it in your home with your family. Gather with your family um, and take it. Um, gather over Facebook with a few friends and, and take it. It's still better to take it than not to take it. It's done so with reverence and examining our hearts, uh, confessing our sins before we do, before the Lord. Okay? So just want to give some encouragement and instruction um, on that. And to remember, as you take the bread and cup today... That before um, Abraham was, Jesus was. And that there is truth, going back to the beginning. If you are in Jesus, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And you can be slave, you know, free from being a slave of sin, which is the worst slavery possible. You'll be free from that. And as we grow in Christ, and more and more truth is revealed to us, we can be more and more like Jesus. And that should be our goal. Um, so let's strive and pray for that and encourage one another towards that this week. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll pray for us um, now, and then Derek is going to come and lead us, and we'll do two songs. Uh, you can take your communion if you have it with you in that time, or just you know quiet your heart before the Lord and, and ask Him to examine it. And Lord. Um, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your grace and your mercy towards us. We thank you so much for your word, that it is true. Thank you that Jesus, that in you we can know the truth, and that you will set us free. And Lord, help us to live in your truth and continue in it. Lord, continue to form us more and more like your son. We love you. We give thanks. We take the bread and the cup this morning, understanding that it was an awesome sacrifice that you made on our behalf. We thank you, Jesus. In your precious name, we pray. Amen.